Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Excited to be back in podcasting today. Yes, I'm especially excited for this episode because we get the opportunity to do an interview on the paths of education. Yeah. So what do you mean by paths of education? What do you... When I say that, I'm thinking like community college, trade schools, you know, like you and I did a traditional four-year institution, Mm -hmm. or I should really say like how you did a combination, because you're pretty cool for that. I did. I definitely think if I had a more well-rounded picture, I mean, I got through it, got my degree, we're all good, but I think if I had more information up front, I might have made some different choices, you know, done things a little bit differently here or there, so interesting. I'm excited for this. Me too. Well, let's get to it. Alrighty. This is Wallet Watch brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. I'm your host, Catherine. And I'm Devante. Alrighty. So today we have uh, the Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management here with us today. How are you doing today, Dawn? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you and help families understand more about college and how we set folks up for success so they can graduate and make sure that they're very aware of financial obligations in achieving a college education. All right, so the first question that I wanna ask you is, what are the graduation stats like in Michigan? What does that look like? Well, you know, enrollment among Michigan's public universities is down nearly 5% in the last five years, um, in large part to having fewer new high school graduates to recruit. Uh, We are experiencing significant declines across the country and Michigan in particular um, is experiencing one of the sharpest declines due to low birth rates. Fortunately for Oakland University, we've been able to uh, increase our new student enrollment during these demographic challenges. And I'd like to think that is um, largely due to our um, strategic planning and the partnerships that we have with local high schools and community colleges. I also feel like our reputation is really strong and we offer excellent academic programs. So I heard you mention value of education and looking at what that looks like. So I hear this cliche all the time, college isn't for everyone. What does that really mean to you? Well, I'll be frank and say that I'm bothered by the increasingly common belief that college isn't for everyone. And this message is largely from people who question the role of college in the 21st century. There are some serious equity issues with the notion that attending college is only right for some. Um, Simply put, as long as a four-year college degree continues to be a valid uh, predictor of lifetime earnings with a multiplier effect for diverse populations, a key to long-term success in the 21st century workforce, and a reliable pathway for increased social capital Our schools and families ought to prepare all students to have a legitimate opportunity to successfully complete a four-year degree. Um, For starters, it literally still pays to go to college, um, especially for diverse populations. Uh, Overall, for adults uh, ages 25 to 34 years old, bachelor's degrees lead the nation. Bachelor's degrees lead to median earnings that are 57% more than adults from this age group with just a high school degree. The value of a college degree means so much more for these diverse subgroups and African Americans with a bachelor's degree earn 65% more than those with a high school degree. Women earn 61% more and Asians earn a whopping 105% more. 
Wow, those are really, really good statistics. I never even knew that. Um, and I think something that people also forget about is just the fact that college is not just about you coming and you getting an academic career or anything like that, but it's also about the experience. Absolutely. I think most of the learning happens outside of the classroom and it prepares you, I think, hopefully to not just be um, a better uh, worker, but a better human being. Mm -hmm. And you learn so much from your peers and faculty and the alumni and fellow students when you engage them in conversations, you engage them in um, different activities on campus. It's definitely an amazing experience and I think it can be a transformational ex experience as well. It's definitely something that you learn a lot of life skills, you know, you can learn networking skills and things like that that'll pay off long term. How do you think students can get the most out of their undergraduate experience? Well, I believe that they need to challenge themselves to engage themselves in things that maybe they normally wouldn't do and expose themselves to different cultures, to different people than they are normally interacting with in their uh, data, you know, in their life, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, you know, another thing is they need to take advantage of the amazing resources that are on a college campus. You know, when you pay your tuition, you are given so many different resources that you should take advantage of. You know, any everything from cultural resources like, you know, plays and musicals, concerts, to study abroad opportunities, um, research opportunities, being part of a lab or being part of a music ensemble. Um, there are so many different opportunities and you have the ability to be with these leaders of their academic discipline so you can be learning from these scholars um, that can tell you about their experiences and how you get to the next place that you want to go to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I just think that is my advice is to utilize the resources and then, you know what, sometimes college will be challenging or things in your life become challenging and you need an extra support. So we have counselors, you know, we have academic advisors, but we also have personal counselors in our health center. Um, we have peer mentors, folks that can help support you and give you advice. We have tutors and writing center tutors, and we have faculty and staff who really care that are gonna be there to listen, you know, not only about telling you how to update your resume, and um, be prepared for job interviewing, but also, you know, giving you some coaching or advice on their communication skills, on the way they're presenting themselves, tips on how to dress professionally even, and then resources that are just a good listening ear, someone to be there to help um, be, uh, I think, uh, that listening ear of support. So when it comes to different paths of education, so when I said I'm thinking about like trade schools, community colleges, even you know traditional four-year institutions, and even thinking about the, because from high school to the workforce, that's a choice as well that could be like a different path of education. What are those different benefits and drawbacks when you look at that? Sure. Well, I believe it's very important for students to explore their options and assess their readiness for the university, community college, or trade school. There are many factors for students when evoking the pathway that is right for them. Today's workforce is changing fast um, to demand and re reward greater skills in higher levels of post-secondary education. So since 2011, 99% of new jobs require education beyond a high school diploma. So helping to educate 
students and their families about you know this data, about the statistics, I think might help influence some of their choices. Um, high skill jobs are growing. Middle skill jobs are changing from routine, uh, you know, routine production work to high tech um, professional services. And low skill jobs are disappearing. So over 70% of low skill jobs stand to be automated in the next uh, 10 to 12 years. And one third of Michigan's workers holding these jobs will see them disappear entirely. So, you know, having this information and realizing the skills required in good jobs are changing fast and requiring much higher levels of digital sophistication, technical experience, and what were once called soft skills. Um, but today are critical skills like communication, problem solving, creativity, persistence that foster success in the workplace. So I highly recommend families to be thinking about this information as they're making their decision. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately people need to make what's the right decision for them. And even if they decide to go to a community college or a trade school, they can always decide to go to a university at a later time. And we welcome, at Oakland University, we welcome students to do that. And we're gonna help families plan for that mm -hmm. and um, cre create a pathway for those decisions. So do you think that when you look at those different paths of education, do you think that four-year universities are becoming more or less popular? Have you noticed any trends one way or another over the last you know, few years? Uh, you know, I think it really depends on which university. So for Oakland, I can speak to the fact that, you know, we've been able to increase our new student enrollment, but most of my sister institutions in Michigan have not been able to do that. Um, so I really feel like families are looking at the college value, they're looking at cost, affordability, and um, you know, making those decisions. And those universities that are able to prove their value and to help families, especially um, students, understand you know, how does that major that you're going to select connect to your future career? What's the ROI? What's the return on investment? Um, those are the universities, I think, that are going to be able to survive these demographic challenges. You know, those that don't address um, the needs of the families and aren't able to prove the return on investment, they're going to be challenged. And I'm sure you all have read um, across the country lots of articles about universities and um, colleges that are decreasing enrollment and they're closing their doors or they're merging with other institutions. So, you know, if you're a smart um, university, you are going to be planning and making sure that you can prove um, your return on investment to families so you'll have continued success. All right, so as we've gone through the interview, I really have heard that, you know, it's really thinking about the future, yes. what that big picture look like, not necessarily just what's right, right in front of you. Um, I know for me, when I was considering going to college and everything like that, it was thinking about, well, I have a higher earning potential completing that four-year degree, but everybody doesn't necessarily think about that. So I think that that's a really, really great tip. 
Do you think you have like any other extra tips for students considering higher education or different paths of education? Definitely. I, I think one of my tips is that students should fill out the free application for federal student aid or FAFSA. I, I think it's the single most important key to unlocking financial aid for all students. Um, and it's especially criti critical or crucial for low-income students. And students who come from a lower-income background are about 127% more likely to enroll in post-secondary education the fall after their graduation if they complete the FAFSA um, compared to their counterparts who do not. And while FAFSA unlocks aid for universities and community colleges, it also gives students the opportunity to attend trade schools. And so at nearly every student can have access no matter what their post-secondary plans are. And so with many benefits to completing FAFSA, our community needs to do more to ensure future students know how to access and successfully use this valuable resource. I'm not sure if you're aware of some of the other states in the United States that um, require high school graduates to fill out the FAFSA in order to actually graduate. Tennessee mm. and Louisiana are two of those states. And in the first two years this legislation was passed um, in Tennessee, the number of Pell Grant recipients were increased by almost 33%. So by increasing FAFSA completion rates, we can actually help reach out our state's goal of 60% post-secondary college attainment by 2030. And by giving students the options and resources necessary to access affordable education and training. And so I think by doing something similar, the state of Michigan could minimize the money students are leaving on the table every year and ensure access to a wide range of opportunities um, after high school, including trade schools, community colleges, and four-year universities. So completing a FAFSA opened up many opportunities for students at Oakland University. And if we adapt similar legislation in Michigan, I believe that more students will be able to achieve their dreams regardless of the cost of higher education or skilled trades training. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. I know that our listeners will really appreciate all the awesome information, great tips and things like that. Um, so really, thank you. Thank you so much. Paths of education, like I did not expect us to have that in-depth of a conversation about it. I know, that was a lot. Did you have any main takeaways or anything that really stuck with you? Hmm, I think one of the things is I really found her reasoning for the statement, college isn't for everyone, to be very thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. And what she kind of said is that it comes from individuals doubting the impact of a bachelor's degree and whether or not it's a worthy investment. And to kind of back that up with some evidence, a bachelor's degree continues to be a valid predictor of potential lifetime earnings, with individuals earning 57% more than those that didn't attain one. Yeah, that's huge. I feel like money really speaks to a lot of people, and that's a, one of the biggest things that people look for when they're thinking about careers, so that's huge. Exactly. What about you? Um, so I guess one of the biggest things that stuck with me is that choosing a path of education doesn't necessarily have to be about um, going with one option because it's what's always been kind of expected of you or what everybody else is doing, but really evaluating what you want your long-term plan to be, maybe five or 10 years down the road, um, looking at what 
where you'd like to see yourself and then building your path around that. What'll get you there? Um, if you do the opposite and maybe just, you know, choose what your best friend or what your parents did, you start out great, but then it gets a little murky halfway through and you're not really sure where to go after that. So I think that's really big. Yeah, I think that's extremely important with not necessarily having to follow tradition, but really making the best decision for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another point that I could think of is choosing a path of education is not only important, but it's also really becoming a requirement mm -hmm. with 99% of new jobs requiring some form of education post high school. Yeah. yeah, and especially with the age of technology and everything's digital now. Um, I know high school classes are adapting and you can do, sounds like some really cool stuff in high school classes, but just continuing that education is really big. And then also, I, it's important to keep in mind that no matter what path you choose, remember to take advantage of what your available resources are. So whether it's faculty, staff, a career center, or a student organization, you aren't just choosing you know, a four-year university, a trade school, a community college, just to learn, but to also build connections. So it's important to build those connections for your professional career and your personal life, and take initiative to explore, set up job shadows, and get to know individuals in your field of interest or in the industry that you hope to end up in. Good takeaways. So our next podcast episode, we are going to really tie these two things together for paying for college and passive education and really wrap up our education series. And we'll also have a guest co-host. Yay! So tune in. And now it's time for the Credit Union Spotlight. At MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union, we are always looking for ways to educate individuals on the importance of smart money management. WalletWatch is one of the great ways that we are able to do that. But if you're itching to learn more, we have additional resources that you are able to utilize for free. Financial 4.0 is a free app and website that offers users access to their own personalized budget tracker, financial quizzes, published articles, weekly tips, and more. It's a fun and interactive way to learn about money and taking control of your finances. If you are interested in learning more, visit financial40.org or find us in your app store by searching Financial 4.0 for MSU or Financial 4.0 for OU. While the Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Katherine Hurth and me, Devontae Montgomery. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. While at Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this show at our Credit Union's website, financial40.org, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.